With millions still grappling with stay-at-home orders in a bid to curb the spread of coronavirus, you can expect many to deal with loneliness. As it turns out, that may be detrimental to your health. I'm Roger Chang, and this is your Daily Charge. With me is CNET reporter Aaron Carson. Thanks for joining me, Aaron. Thanks for having me. So you've got an insightful piece looking at the science of loneliness. What exactly did you find? Right. So Cigna put out a study in 2018 that uh, said that about 54% of Americans they surveyed said that they were lonely. And within about a year and a half, that jumped up to 61%. So even though it might seem a little counterintuitive for the time that we're living in, it turns out that we're more lonely than ever. And there's a growing body of research that kind of suggests that that actually has some significant impact on our uh, health, both mind and body. Yeah. Tell me about that. Because, like, you know, being lonely obviously stinks. um, But what what specific effects does it actually have on your mind body? You know, the first thing is that when we're talking about loneliness in this context, it's it's this idea of kind of like a prolonged state. It's not just, you know, like, oh. I don't have any plans this Friday. Um, and so there's a couple things at work here. There's some researchers, for example, who are looking at uh, this idea that prolonged states of loneliness can actually lead to a cognitive decline and might even be a predictor for Alzheimer's disease. There's another group of researchers who are looking at uh, this kind of other idea that you know, being lonely for a long time actually uh, could be somehow linked to kind of more major health issues like cardiovascular disease or inflammatory diseases and that sort of thing. And what's the what's the justification for that linkage? Like, how do they connect those two together? You know, partly they're still kind of trying to figure this out, but some of the framework that they're using at the moment is this idea that when we're lonely, we're we're stressed. And when you're stressed, your brain is and your body is producing um, these chemicals like stress hormones, cortisol and norepinephrine, which are great if you're being chased by a bear. You know, it's kind of the fight or flight sort of thing, but you can't live your life chased by a bear. So there's your bumper sticker for the <laughs> for the show. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they're kind of uh, looking at this idea that these chemicals over time are actually kind of triggering gene expression that's linked to those diseases I mentioned, like cardiovascular and inflammatory diseases. So what that exact mechanism is, they're still kind of trying to figure out, but um, they're essentially trying to figure out how how this you know sort of like mental state is being translated into like a biological situation. And from the research you've done, like what groups are most prone to loneliness? One of the sort of generations that was called out very specifically in that Cigna study was actually uh, Gen Z. And so for them in this study, they were talking about Gen Z adults. And so these are people who right now are about 18 to 22 years old-ish. And apparently that is the the loneliest generation. And again, it seems like a little counterintuitive because you would think that these are kids who are more connected than ever, right? Um, but right, you, you've got messaging apps, you've got phone, you've got uh, video conferencing. Um, it is. It does seem to surprise me that uh, this generation that has access to just way more ways to stay connected is actually considered the most lonely. Exactly. Yeah, because you think you could you could call up any of your friends, your family, or you know, just like in an instant. 
Um, and then the other group that we hear a lot about when we talk about loneliness is uh, the elderly. And I think that that probably makes a little bit more sense for folks in terms of, you know, people who are, are in a life stage where they are not around a lot of the same sort of social structures and groups that they were in younger years, whether it's going into an office or they their immediate family or, or that sort of thing. So, so those are two of the groups right now that are getting a lot of attention for kind of higher rates of loneliness. Right. And it, it seems like from the, the study, the research you've looked at, I mean, a lot of this, when talking about loneliness, you're really talking about this as sort of a longer term thing. But Obviously, given what's been happening with the coronavirus and COVID-19, I mean, this lockdown has been happening for about three months, so not not exactly long term. But, but how do you think what's going on now is is affecting or contributing to the potential problem of loneliness? Right. So you know, it's it's this idea that we were we were already like very lonely before this started, and so for people who are possibly kind of like in a more vulnerable state for for that. Um, kind of exacerbates the situation. But there's this kind of other idea at, at work here um, that is a bit of like an evolutionary theory behind loneliness. And the idea is that, you know, once upon a time, or, or this is still true, I mean, we are very social beings, right? It, we're dependent on our groups. Um, it takes a long time for a human being to mature from the time they were a baby to being like a completely functioning person. So being in a group means safety, it means protection, it means a like a kind of division of labor. You don't have to do everything yourself. And so, you know, some researchers believe that when we are kind of outside of these groups, it's a stressor. Our body kind of, you know, interprets that as a stress and vulnerability and whatnot. And so when you think about a pandemic, I think for, for a lot of people, this is one of, if not the most stressful things that they've ever lived through. And so at a time like that, that's really when you would want to be with your support systems, your family and your friends and your groups. And because of the nature of this virus, this is exactly the time that, that we can't be with those support systems. Right. And, uh, you know, we talked about the fact that there are so many options for us to connect, but I do wonder if our reliance on on our digital lives, the fact that we're we're messaging, we're typing, but we're not necessarily interacting in person contributes to that. So that you may have friends virtually, but that your friends in real life that you're not necessarily seeing, like there's a real impact for from not getting that experience, right? For sure. And I think that something that plays into that as well is this idea that like a social network, for example, and I don't so much mean Facebook as much as your you know, like network of people, the size of your social network is not necessarily a, an indicator of how lonely you're going to be. So you could have, you know, a, a lot of people that you're interacting with. Um, but if the quality of, of those interactions is more limited or is more shallow, that's not going to do the same for you um, as maybe having like a few more meaningful, lengthy conversations with like a handful of people. Right, right. Now, I know some cities and states are opening up, um, but there's still many who are still stuck by themselves. Uh, in terms of recommendations, uh, what, what would you suggest for folks who are dealing with loneliness? Yeah, so, I mean, this kind of goes right back into that idea of quality over quantity when it comes to social interactions. So, 
you know, I would say at this point, don't be so concerned about say like how, you know, how many <laughs> likes or comments or whatever you're, you're getting on social media posts or, um, or kind of, you know, how many friends or followers you have, but focus more on, you know, setting some time aside to actually talk to your friends and family in uh, sort of like a more meaningful way. And the other part of this is that if you're someone who feels lonely and sort of lonely on the regular, just based on this data alone, uh, it's very likely that you know other people who also feel this way. So despite the fact that there can be a little bit of a stigma attached to like saying that you are lonely, it's actually a good thing to talk about it. And if you're reaching out to folks you know, obviously there's a benefit to them in having you show concern, but there's also a benefit to you in, you know, trying to forge a little bit of a of more caring, <laughs> concerted relationship. No, that's good advice. Uh, now, this is the, the first part of a, a three-part series. Uh, I'm just curious what set you off on this project. Yeah, so it's funny. I actually had the idea for this before all the pandemic uh, stuff kind of came into play. And I really had just kind of run into some of that data that, that said that, you know, we're lonelier than we ever have. Um, more people live alone now than ever before versus, you know, living with families maybe until they get married or with roommates or whatever the case is. Um, and, and, and yeah, kind of like we said, in, in some ways, it seems a little bit counterintuitive uh, that this would be happening. But when you really think about it, maybe not so much, right? <laughs> so I wanted to just, uh, yeah, take the opportunity to dig in a little deeper and kind of see what's going on. And then, and then this uh, pandemic kind of happened, and so it seemed like a more relevant time than ever. Yeah, definitely. Well, you can check out Aaron's story, as well as our additional stories on the issue of loneliness on CNET.com. If you have any questions, drop us a line at The Daily Charge on Twitter. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening.